You know that song we just sang? It said, I don't have nothing to fear when I'm standing in the love of God. Amen. Well, that's really kind of been the theme throughout this Modeling God's Love series is learning how to stand in the love of God. You know, we have our own ideas about love, but we're trying to learn how to stand in the love of God. And so today, I'm sorry to say we are going to conclude our 15 study, our 15 characteristic study of what God says uh, are the qualities of His love. Now we know that the Holy Spirit has used the Apostle Paul to list these qualities of God's love as he was writing to believers. So the Apostle Paul thought it important enough to write to the believers at Corinth because they needed to understand more about what God's love looked like. So far we've taken a hard look at the first 11 characteristics. And to say that these qualities are difficult and difficult to imitate is an understatement. Because God's love, true love, requires real effort on our part. You're not going to love, love God unless you're really trying to love like God. Furthermore, we have to really trust in God's grace if we're going to love this way. Now, if you would, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You're going to find that on page 1021 in the Bibles in front of you. But if you know where that's at in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to begin with Paul's description, the Holy Spirit's description of God's kind of love beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. And thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is per perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I was a child, I understood as a child. When I was a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. As we look at the last five qualities in this list, instead of examining each one of them individually, 
what I'm going to try to do is make three connecting statements that provide a little bit of clarity about what these things mean so that you and I can learn to love like God. The first quality, the first connecting statement, actually, is this. Love has faith in other people. Love has faith in other people. You see, real love sees the best in people. Real love chooses, key word there, chooses to see the best in other people. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Now, this quality was, was displayed especially uh, and especially well by a man in the Bible in Acts by the name of Barnabas. Now, what you need to know is, is that before the Apostle Paul became a preacher of the gospel, the Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Before Paul was converted to Jesus Christ, Saul sought out, he encouraged, he approved, and he sanctioned the brutal persecution and murder of countless believers. One particular Christian was named Stephen. And Stephen was in the process of being stoned to death by men while Saul was holding their coat. See, Saul wanted to hold their coat so they could get a good wind-up. Amen? But Saul was sitting there holding their coats while they stoned this believer named Stephen. So you can see that when Saul was converted to Christianity, the believers were more than just a little bit skeptical. They thought, was Paul truly converted? Or is Paul trying to pull a con job on us so that he can persecute us more? But Barnabas, Barnabas wasn't like that. He didn't believe that way. Barnabas instantly believed that Paul had been converted. And Barnabas instantly placed himself in Paul's corner. Barnabas believed in giving a person a second chance. I, for one, am glad that God's love allowed him to give me a second chance. And a third. And a fourth. And a fifth. And the list goes on. But exercising faith Exercising faith in other people means that we choose to see the best in them. The worst to see is easy. Anybody can see that. But choosing to see the best in a person is a different story. But it also means that often we're going to place our trust in people who might have even broken our trust. We're going to give them a second chance and maybe a third. Or a fourth or a fifth. You know, Jesus did that with his disciples, didn't he? While Jesus was living amongst them, 
His disciples were as different as night and day. Some days, them boys looked like super saints. Man, they couldn't do nothing wrong. Other days, they looked like miserable failures. And when I think about how Jesus looks at me, I wonder sometimes if he looks at me and says, man, that boy is a miserable failure. But one thing that I know is that God loves me and he gives me chance number two, three, four, and five. But as Jesus prepared to return to his father, what did he do? He assigned those very disciples who were miserable failures so often with the task of spreading the Lord's name all over the world. An incredible job. So Jesus trusted them of all people. He trusted them even after they broke his trust. You know, in the army... Soldiers must first go through what's called boot camp. And one thing you must master before you can leave boot camp is something that's called the ropes course. The ropes course. The goal in your group in the ropes course is as you go through the series of obstacles, it will build trust and it will build teamwork within your group. Now, one of the most challenging obstacles in the ropes course is something that's called the trust platform. The trust platform. In this obstacle, each soldier must climb up to a six-foot platform, must fold their arms, turn their back, and fall backwards off of that six-foot platform into the waiting arms of their fellow soldiers. That, friend, requires some trust. But that is exactly what must occur in healthy relationships. We trust the other person in our lives. Whether they be a husband or a wife or a church family member, we trust them. I'll never forget, when I proposed to Janet, her brother came up to me and he kind of swelled his chest up a little bit and he said, would you die for Janet? And I said, of course I'd die for Janet. But after thinking about what he asked me, he was not only testing my love for her, he was also testing my trust in her. Not only did I love her, but I trusted her with my own life. Now, I realize that there are many factors that are introduced that affect our ability to trust other people. You have been burnt once and you don't want to be burned again. Somebody say amen. But often our trust is abused. Sometimes our trust is betrayed. Sometimes it's broken. Sometimes it's stolen. And we don't want to give it back. We don't want to give them another chance. Victims of child abuse have a logical reason for not trusting others. Victims of a financial scam have a viable reason for not trusting other people. But true love, friend, gives trust a second chance. True love gives someone 
a third chance, a fourth and maybe a fifth chance. Because love has faith in other people. Now let me make a second general statement regarding all these five. And that is this. If you didn't know it, love takes guts. Love takes guts. Love bears all things, believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. Now to be all that in all things, love must display a certain intestinal fortitude. It must have some guts. Love must be willing to be forbearing with other people. The Bible said love bears all things. Love is forbearing. To forbear means to hold back. Perhaps to tolerate from time to time that which you don't like. To forbear means you tolerate another person's quirks. How many of you know that every one of you got quirks? Somebody say amen. We all got them. Amen. We all have quirks. But love bears all things. Love loves in spite of the quirks. And as, as always, Jesus is our example, but especially in this issue of forbearance. Just remember Jesus' relationship with those who were closest to him in the days before his death. Jesus tolerated all kinds of of unreliable behavior right up to the point where Jesus was nailed to the cross. Partially because of their unreliable behavior. Just think of those last hours before Jesus was crucified. You remember, Jesus takes a few of the disciples to a garden to pray. And he tells them, he says, you watch my back. You pray for me because I'm going to go over there for a little bit of private time of prayer with my father. And when Jesus returns, he finds them fast asleep, not watching his back and not praying for Jesus. So even as Jesus was being persecuted, even as Jesus was being tried for crimes that he did not commit, these disciples were showing their true colors. And in crucial moments, when they could have taken a stand for Jesus, what did they do? They turned their backs and they denied any knowledge of him at all. And listen, friend, it wasn't just Peter. They all did the same thing. Yet, what did Jesus do? Jesus continued to believe in them. He continued to trust them. And he certainly continued to love them. And the Bible encourages you and I to forbear. The Bible encourages you and I to to love in this way. To walk worthy of the calling with which you are called in all loneliness and gentleness. Get this. With long suffering. Bearing with one another in love. That means making allowance for another person's faults. That means showing a little tolerance 
for somebody else who's got some funky quirks. Somebody say amen. Forbearance is a sign of love. It is a sign of love, friend, and it is important to know that it requires you to display a spirit of steadfastness. It's going to take a whole lot more than somebody's quirks to get me to stop loving them. It also requires that we have this desire to endure in that kind of love. In fact, that word endure, where the Bible says love endures all things, endure was actually a military term that was used to uh, describe an army that was holding a position and would not be moved at any cost. Every hardship, every suffering needed to be endured in order for that army to hold fast and hold their position. Well, I got to tell you, love holds fast. Love endures all things at all costs. Love stands against overwhelming opposition. And it, love refuses to stop bearing. It refuses to stop believing. It refuses to stop hoping. Love simply will not stop loving. That's God's kind of love. Do you know there's nothing that you can do to stop God from loving you? There's a cute little poem that really applies to this truth. And it goes like this. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will. When the road you're traveling seems all uphill. When the funds are low and the debts are high. You want to smile, but you can only cry. When burdens are pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Love endures all things. Love has faith with other people, and love takes some guts. But the third general statement I want to share with you before we go is that love is victorious. Now there's a ring. A ring of victory in each one of those last five principles. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. But that note of victory rings out the clearest in verse 8 where the Bible says, love never fails. It never fails. Think about this, y'all. Wouldn't it be nice if you could invest in a stock that performed well every single year. I mean, it never takes a dive. Your stock always shows a profit. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you could take a pill one time and know that you would never get cancer? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you worked for a company that only had positive benefits? You never get tired of your work. And you never have a bad day. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice, friend, if you could pull for a team that always wins? Now, you Alabama fans know what that's like. 
but we Florida Gator fans, we don't know what that's like. Alabama never has a bad year. Alabama never goes into a slump. But the Gators are constantly having a bad year, and they're constantly in a slump. But the Bible says love. Love never fails. It never fails. Now, that's a victorious statement. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I know some of you are one step ahead of me. And you're thinking, Brother Bill, I've tried love. And it failed. I tried marriage. I gave it my best effort. And it failed. My relationship with my boss failed. I gave it my best effort, but ultimately, I just had to quit. Well, sometimes, doing our very best is just not good enough. Well, then how can you say, Brother Bill, that love is victorious? Well, listen, love is victorious when you live life focused on God's love. God's love is different from Bill's love. Amen. God's love is lots different than human love. When you love, when you live life focused on God's love, friend, you don't never go wrong. It's always right. I mean, just suppose that a woman is, a, is living with an alcoholic husband. Many do. He's abusive. He's rude. He wastes all their money. Drinking alcohol. She's done her very best to love him. She's done all she can to remain faithful to him. But then he leaves her for another man, another woman. Has her love failed? No, not at all. If you seek to exemplify God's love... You'll never go wrong. It's always victorious. If that lady is living by God's law of love, her love is and will be victorious. You see, sometime, somewhere, in some place, that lady's love is going to win out. Because there's going to be a time when that man realizes what he's done. There's going to be a time when he realizes what a fool he's been. There's going to be a time when he realizes what his sin has wrought. Her love never failed. Because her love was focused on the love of God. So just because other people violate God's law of love does not mean that your love has failed. God's love always wins. God's love is always victorious because God's love never fails. Often we measure success, we measure failure by how the circumstances turn out. Well, it didn't turn out like I wanted them to, so it must have failed. But that's not always the case. Circumstances don't dictate whether something is a success or a failure when it comes to the love of God. God's love always so when you live by God's love, what you're doing is you're living a scripture-centered life. 
You're seeking to imitate the love of God. You're wanting to love like Jesus. You're living according to the word of God. And when you do that, listen to me, you are guaranteed success. Guaranteed success when you live by God's law of love. Again, let's take Jesus as the example. Jesus lived a life of love. Incredibly, in spite of all kinds of persecution, all types of betrayal, all kinds of denial, Jesus still lived according to the love of God. He never did anything wrong. He never spoke an unkind word. But in spite of his goodness, they hung him on a cross. He was treated in a savage way, y'all. And yet, as they hung him on the cross, Jesus was able to say, in the love of God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's love. That's the love of God. Even while withstanding their brutality, Jesus looks down and loves them. Jesus lived and Jesus died for the love of God and for the glory of God. And when that's the case, love is always victorious. Love can never fail. It always wins. In any relationship, friend, the ultimate goal should be for you and I to live a life that honors God. Our primary goal should not be to honor our husband or wife. Our primary goal is not living to honor other people. Our primary goal is to love and to live in a way that honors God. Everything else will take care of itself. And you can do that when you live with your eyes on Jesus. When you live with your eyes on the love of Jesus, when you seek to love like Jesus. Listen, people are going to let you down, but Jesus will not. Listen, people, friend, people will fail you, but Jesus will not. In fact, these 15 qualities of love that we've been studying, every single one of them point to Jesus. All of them point to the, to the Lord, our Savior, Jesus. And if you think about it, he's really the only one who has fulfilled all 15 of them. I know I haven't. Jesus has not given up hope. He's not given up belief in you. He still has hope in you. He still believes in you. Because, friend, listen carefully. He loves you. He loves you like crazy. Now, we tend to associate victory with performance, with circumstances. We associate victory with our behavior. But listen, if that's the way you think, it'll always seem like victory is just out of reach. You'll never get it. Victory comes when you love like Jesus. 
Victory comes when you focus your life on the love of God and on the truth of God. Things begin to happen within us when we focus on the love of God and when we focus on the truth of God. And listen, God's truth declares the good news by which every one of us are saved. That if we believe that Jesus loves us, if we believe that Jesus died for us, died for our sin on the cross, and that God raised Him from the grave three days after that, we have the victory. His love is victorious. And if we'll place our faith in Christ, love always wins. Love can never fail. Not only today, but also eternally. Friend, if there's anything that you have gotten from this little series on God's love, I pray that you will strive to love like Jesus every day of your life, in every relationship of your life, and in every circumstance of your life. Let that be our motto. Love like Jesus. If you do that, your love will never fail. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us like you do. A never failing, always winning love. Father, it's heartbreaking to know that it cost the life and persecution of your only begotten to purchase that for us. But Father, you weren't satisfied just telling us that you loved us. You wanted to demonstrate your own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, you would send Jesus to suffer and die on a cross to demonstrate that love. Father, if there's one person in the room or one person listening in that needs to receive the love of Jesus today, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them to take that one step of faith. Father, to step out, to step forward, and Lord, allow me the, the, the privilege of telling them what the Bible says about how they can receive this precious gift of love that was made manifest through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Father, if it's somebody listening in, Father, I'm a phone call away. And Father, I will be glad to show them exactly what your word says about how we can all be saved from the penalty of sin. Father, thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to love like Jesus. Even when it means having faith in other people. Even when it means having more guts than what we got. Lord, help us to know that love is victorious. That your love is victorious. Now, Lord, we pray you would have your will and your way in this decision time. And, Father, whether it's a person coming to Christ or a per person making a change in their ways, a change in their life, Father, you speak to us all. Your unending testimony of love. In Jesus' name we pray it all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.